Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Also, as you're listening to one of our early podcasts, may I suggest you skip to at least episode 12, where I guarantee it gets much better. You are listening to the Knowledge is Powder podcast, the ski podcast, and we have a jam-packed show for you this week. I am Jim Duncan, and my co-host is Ian Martin. This week, we have some major guests. We are joined by my neighbour and uh, someone Ian met on Airbnb. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jerry and Will. First question, has anyone been skiing recently? Not since we last spoke, I'm afraid. Will? No, all quiet on my front, I'm afraid. Sad times, sad times. I'm sure we'll all be going skiing soon. Um, we have so much to fit in the show this week, we don't even have time to find out which celeb has upset Ian this week. Um, in today's show, we will look at the legacy of Warren Miller, talk about a skiing competition that is about to happen. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's pretty big. And we will be chatting to one of our guests about the resort of La Clusa. First, let's go over to the news. Start with the sad news that pioneering ski filmmaker Warren Miller has passed away at the age of 93. Miller was what some have described as the original ski bum. In the 40s, he was living in a trailer in a car park, working as a ski instructor to make, to make some cash. At some point, he bought a camera and started making ski movies. Originally, he would appear in the films and talk over them, but as the popularity of films rose, he started to record his voice over them, which defined his style ever since. He's made over 500 ski movies and worked right up until the last, his last decade. His films are intrinsically linked to the rise in the popularity of skiing. Since his passing, Twitter has been alight with people sharing some of his more memorable quotes. I really believe in my heart that the first turn you make on a pair of skis is the first taste of total freedom. And adventure is the invitation for common people to become uncommon. Ian, do you, uh, I don't suppose you've got a favourite? Uh, there's so many of them, I couldn't possibly uh, name one, but it just, it, it was. Particularly, um, I guess when I was younger, we, I was a member of Seven Oaks Ski Club and we always used to uh, have a Warren Miller uh, ski evening. And then I guess when I got into the uh, industry, used to get invited every now and again along to uh, like Leicester Square. I think they used to have a uh, a, a kind of special evening uh, and you go along to that. Um, remember um, a chap called Jim from the company Black Diamond always storming around the stage, throwing prizes into the into the crowd. And, you know, and they were... They were good nights, and generally it's just a marker of, you know, you, you must be getting near the season if the Warren Miller movies come out. Well, there was that. Um, Ian, I don't suppose you've got some slightly more upbeat ski news? Uh, I'm not sure I have, actually. 
I did come across a news story uh, the other day, which it, it just shows, I don't know what it shows really. I mean, you can, I guess, make your own conclusions, but it's a story in the Daily Mail, so it may not even be true. But uh, it does say <laughs> that a British family of nine were poisoned by carbon monoxide gas on a five-star ski break, as holiday firm says too much snow was to blame. And uh, unfortunately, this family were in a, a chalet in uh, La Plan, uh, staying with uh, Ski World, I think it was. And because we've had so much snow uh, recently, the, uh, the, the air intake flue was blocked and there was a buildup of gas in their uh, room and they ended up having to go to hospital. Now, you know, that is a really... Fortunately, they were all uh, kind of fine. You know, it says they're suffering ongoing side effects, uh, etc. But, uh, you know, I might suggest that that might be to do with their lawsuit um but you know it just shows that uh, too much snow you can have too much snow we've debated it a bit recently and they're just certain things that you maybe maybe it is a tour operator's responsibility to make sure that these things are, are clear but when the snow is coming down and the volumes that it has recently it just affects uh, resorts on so many levels so not not such good news but kind of interesting news i think Nothing like that would happen in your chalet, would it, Jerry? It's interesting because our chalet had more than five bedrooms. And as such, we came into a category that, in under French law, we were category O hotel, which meant that, uh, um, that, that you had to comply to those rules. And those rules it's tightened uh, quite severely in 2014, I think it was, where you had to enclose the kitchen and fundamentally take away some of the ambience of the chalet itself. You know, so the whole point of the chalet is the plan, kitchen, whatever. It made it much more difficult. To, it was almost worth reducing it to five bedrooms, although we had 12, just to carry on making a living. So they're very they're very tough on rules like that in France. They? They, they don't let you get away with things easily, in my experience. So yeah, I think it, it is just clearly an unfortunate mishap in. Right, Sam, um, it reminds me of a story by uh, about the Admiral Richard E. Baird, who um, he was uh, on the Ross Ice Shelf in Antarctica, and he dug himself a massive hole and spent a winter there. Uh, and he suffered from exactly the same problem, but that was back in 1934 and he had no rep to complain to. Knowledge's Powder is a podcast for skiers and snowboarders. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the Ski Podcast or email the Ski Podcast at gmail.com. Time to find out what's going on in Korean Corner. Ian. Okay, well, <clears throat> we're obviously the games are uh, imminent now. This time uh, next week they will be uh, underway. And uh, the various competitors, uh, the team has been picked, I think, since we had our last uh, uh, podcast. And it's the biggest ever uh, British uh, ski and snowboard team to go out uh, to an Olympic Games. Or it might be the biggest ever since 1928 uh, or something like that. But it's certainly the biggest for a long time. And uh, we're optimistic that things will go well. We do tend to focus on who might win medals. And uh, the most interesting pointers to form have come from the X Games, which took place uh, last weekend uh, in the States, in Aspen. And uh, there were uh, 
I, well, uh, the standout performance was from Izzy Atkin. Now, Izzy Atkin is one to watch because she came second in the ski slope style event. Uh, so she picked up a silver there. And I just, you know, didn't need to stress that at the X Games, as opposed to some of the other World Cup events that have taken place this year already, that is a really high quality field. And in fact, uh, in her competition, all eight of the athletes in the final have previously won uh, World Cup competitions and uh, included the current Slopestyle World Champion and uh, the reigning Olympic medalist. So that is a really uh, a great result. James Woods is also showing some, some very good form. He uh, was third uh, in the Ski Big Air, um, which he had won uh, last year. Um, but uh, still a podium, which is uh, very good. Uh, and then on the uh, the following day, the Sunday, the last day of the X Games, he made it to the Slopestyle Finals, uh, and he just finished fourth, just pushed out uh, down from second on the first run uh, to fourth on the uh, on the second run. But you know he, you know he's definitely a very good uh, uh, chance for a medal as well. So um, we'll be watching out. For, for them. Dave Riding, you know, he's regularly scoring top 10s, uh, but a podium really probably would be a, a surprise. Um, I, other um, people, who, anyone who's followed us on Twitter or Facebook will be aware that I mentioned Jasmine Taylor as being a possible medalist. Sadly, uh, she'll be a possible medalist in 2022 because uh, Telemark won't be uh, in this current Olympics, but she's won another uh, World Cup uh, for what it's worth. But if she was there, she would got... win a medal. English. If she was there and they had a competition, it sounds like uh, uh, she's clearly, um, in fact, she is now, she has moved past Mike Nemesvari. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. I think he did, uh, you know, um, aerials, they used to call it back in the day. And she is uh, Britain's all time, uh, has the highest number of all time World Cup podiums. Um, of 17 now. Uh, but today we've got with us uh, Will Taylor, who's out in Seoul at the moment uh, in, in Korea. And, uh, you know, I'm particularly interested. Uh, I think you're going to a couple of the events as well, aren't you? Which events are you going to? I am indeed. I'm uh, heading out over to Pyeongchang on the 22nd of February to watch the men's slalom. So that is Dave Ryder. So yeah, hopefully they won't an exciting event. Foreman. Uh that'll be good. Um also seeing men's semi final curling. Oh, Jim will be excited. Uh, can you can I if I can you make me a banner and hold it up so I can uh, see it? Hello Jim. Yes, <laughs> yes, at, yes at, I can. At the ski podcast. Just hold that one up. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh yeah, seeing the men's four by seven and a half kilometer biathlon. Yeah, okay. Uh Women's combined and uh, men's snowboard bigger. Be good. Hopefully, Billy Morgan can uh, put down something quite interesting. No? Yeah, I mean, he could. Did you watch? Uh, did any of you watch Ski Sunday uh, last? I think it was last weekend where they showed the airbag that uh, they recently invested in. I, I've seen I've seen clips of it, but I've not seen the actual Ski Sunday episode. Yeah. It's hard to get BBC. Right, okay. Well, they've effectively um, British uh, snow sports have invested in this immense airbag, uh, which uh, I think uh, Hamish McKnight, their coach there, said that um, said that um, 
it, it, it allows them up to three seconds in the air, which is or 2.8 seconds in the air, which is a hell of a lot longer than I'd like to be in the air. Uh, but it showed them effectively, you know, they can practice any of their moves that they might not necessarily risk if they were in a snow park uh, themselves. Um, and, and, you know, it allows them to kind of try those moves that wouldn't necessarily uh, be able to do and for Billy Morgan I can't remember the details of it but I'm aware that he's pulled off some move that is extremely rare but he's done it in a part but he's never done it in competition you know maybe that might help him yeah. what, what is his quad yeah to help me out do you know what is his it's a quad 1080 right. I think quad the quad under flip I think or yeah, yeah. well quad, yeah, quad, quad says it all it's a it's a, a lot of time in here yeah, required <laughs> pretty tough but i know that you know pulling that out in competition would uh, would require a lot of uh a lot of cojones uh, let's say but that sounds great and what about in in um soul itself is there um you know there a lot of uh, publicity about the games uh there is a huge amount of publicity it's all over every team screen uh, I think I think it's, it's it's really good because it's also it's brought a lot of translation things straight across, which is really nice. So you can go anywhere now, and a lot of places have English translations, or like everything's made a lot easier for for tourists for getting around. Okay, and they've beefed up the uh, Korean train system so that you can get over to Pyeongchang really easily. I th- like there's been an, an an incredible amount of inter- infrastructure investment gone into this games and it's really really showing through okay and and therefore south koreans are interested i mean do they have any chances of of medals what are they good at they're they're really into short track speed skating okay so much one of their national sports um so they, they've got very high hopes in that. They've also got a few snowboarders that i'm aware of competing in freestyle as well um, but yeah, the, the, um, there is a lot of interest okay. in it. A lot one of, of one of uh, Britain's I think top hopes is uh, Elise Christie, who's short track speed skating. I hope she's not going to get pushed out of a, a medal by the the South Koreans with their home support behind them. Yeah, well, that, that could could well happen. <laughs> um, but no, the, yeah, there's uh, there is a lot of interest. Okay. And do they do uh, they have some cute mascots? Are they all over um, Seoul as well? Uh, I've not seen so much mascots. Um, I went to uh, an area where the design museum is, and they've got like a pop-up attraction for Pyeongchang, and you can still actually go and buy tickets for it, which is quite nice. Um, and that, but everywhere you look, there's adverts for it. Everywhere you look, they're sort of just trying to get people interested in it. Which is really nice. Great. Well, um, hopefully, um, I think we're we're hoping to speak to you again in a couple of weeks' time after you've been to the events, and we can get a bit of feedback yeah. about what it was like uh, in Pyeongchang itself, and and we can talk to you what it was like to kind of uh, go out drinking with Dave Riding after he picked up his gold medal. Well, that that would be nice. That'd be a dream come true <laughs> for Dave, as well as you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a couple of dates to watch out for then. I mean, you know, obviously it's packed uh, full, but the uh, and we know that it's happening um, overnight, uh, pretty much uh, every uh, event. But um, if you're waking up on, let, let me just think about this, Monday the 12th, uh, the men's 
downhill. No, that must be Sunday, the 11th. The men's downhill uh, will have happened. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, definitely one of the ones we're also thinking about um, uh, as far as those potential medals are concerned. We've got the women's ski slope style going on uh, the following Saturday, so Saturday the 17th, uh, and the men's slope style on Sunday the 18th. Um, also, I was just alerted yesterday to a, a new app launched by Team GB for the Winter Olympics. So I have downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to explore it yet. Um, but basically, it's got loads of information in there about the different athletes and the medals and the schedule. And I think it probably could be pretty useful. And I think, um, well, if you just search for it on the Play Store or the Apple Store, I think it's called Team GB app should be fairly easy to find. You download that one and you have all your uh, information there. So, um, yeah, Korean Corner, that's it. Do you not want to talk about um, the, what, a medal? The cost of the medals. Well, we mentioned it last time. I think it'd be good to um, to chat about it after, after the games and we can assess how much... If we're saying like we've invested five million into skiing and snowboard and we come back with two medals and we're, we're kind of how was it really worth it for you? Was it worth the 20 pounds it added on your uh, tax bill for the year, for example, or whatever it is? Well, in the summer games, it was 4.9 right. per medal. That's yeah, what that was that's what it worked out. So, we yeah, got well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. I'm quite excited about the games now. I was, wasn't too fussed about it when we talked about it first before Christmas. But, you know, it's, it's the Olympics. And for all of the kind of commercial side of things and drug taking and Russians being banned, you know, it's the best people in their sports in the world, you know, competing. It's, you know, it's, it's something to watch for sure. Absolutely. Jerry, what about you? Are you excited? Are you looking forward to the Winter Olympics? Is it something you get into? Um, back in the day, we hosted the, the British team at our chalet. Um, and uh, for yeah, the World the... Cup, we had 1995, we had the, the World Cup uh, freestyle skiing championships. And we hosted, we had the whole British team, such as it was, 15 odd people staying at our place, which... Uh, which uh, they decided afterwards was probably a great experience, but because they had so much fun, they didn't perform as well as they hoped they might. <laughs> so you were responsible for their downfall, right? <laughs> such a good time. <laughs> That's what they say. Because right. they had a, they had one guy, I can't remember his name, but and they was hopeful he'd get a, he'd get a medal, but he, but he, but he didn't on the day, which is a shame. Knowledge is powder, because being a skier is 1% riding and 99% talking about it. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the Ski Podcast or email theskipodcast at gmail.com. Snow report time. The conditions in the Alps continue to be the best in years, with peace depths of up to 5 metres in many resorts. There has been more sun and less snow of late, which is great news. There is more snow expected at the middle of next week. The Clouser, which we'll talk about later, has just received 20 centimetres of snow. More on the way for them. And they have a, a base of 380 centimetres at the base um, on the summit. Over in Canada, ski resorts have had some welcome snowfall recently, freshening up the slopes and the mountains with half a metre of snow. Great news for them. And if you're planning on going skiing in South Korea this week, you'll be pleased to know that there is 
snow on the way um, at the middle of next at uh, the end of next week sorry with up to 10 centimeters falling on olympic bad news it's great news if you're planning on going out and you're looking for a ski deal um dave from if you ski sent me one in um there's a short break to the kitsop hotel in kitzbühel um that is 500 pounds per person bed and breakfast that's friday to monday the first to the 4th of march there's no flights included that but it's a great price really good resort if you like to go and at prey dave tells me so give him a call at if you ski.com ian have you got any ski deals um offers around you know half term coming up there's not much uh, around then but if you uh if you don't have kids or, or quite frankly even if you're prepared to pay the fine if you're in one of those areas it's a lot cheaper to uh to take them outside of a uh, half term week and if you happen to go you know the week after that uh, if just have a look on uh, on chaletline.co.uk there's a, a bunch of offers around i would probably pick uh something a little bit different and maybe head out to uh to austria for a change um caprun nice and high uh, good glacier there you know chalets uh, available including flights okay it's not the not the cheapest but around the 599 uh, mark uh, for departing on the saturday 24th of february It'd be a nice way to uh, to get away, and you can be confident that um, all the British kids have have gone back home to uh, to school by then, apart from the ones who are paying the fines. <laughs> now we're going to talk to our guest, Jerry Blees. Um, Jerry, not only being my next door neighbour, um, is uh, also a man who'd won a very successful chalet out in La Clusa. Um, Jerry's a man who followed his dreams and moved to the Alps to set up a ski chalet. His venture would appeal to corporate groups and, by all accounts, became quite a popular destination for the stars and management of MTB. Jerry, you ran a chalet business in La Clusa, and we'll talk about the business in a minute. But first, can you tell us a bit about, well, La Clusa? I mean, a lot of people may never have even heard of it. La Clusa's uh, advantage over other resorts is that it's a community in its own right. So it's it's close to Annecy and the people live there all year round rather than seasonally. So that, for example, the guys that run the restaurants, you know, they've inherited from their parents and parents. And, uh, and like I said earlier, that the, you get to know everybody. So you become part of whichever family you've linked into. You know, we knew the guy that from our ski shop. So he introduced us to everybody in his family that could help us help make the business better. So you've got this lovely sense of community, which is largely upheld because of Rebleche on Cheese, because they, they, it's the home of Rebleche on Cheese, the Araby Valley, and they export 700, 900 tons of it a year. You know, So you've got a farming community, you've got tourism, and then you've got uh, forestry, because it's a massive uh, area for for forestation so it's a community that's nice to live in as opposed to going to a ski resort that's just about four months of skiing and what is the skiing like how would you describe it so it's the reason that freestyle skiing became so popular in the Clouseau and where it's the home of freestyle skiing in France is because it's the Clouseau is full of short runs. There isn't a massive amount of long, long runs. So they perfected the art of doing things in short amount of spaces, jumps, you know, all the things that, that they got good at. Ed, Edgar Grossbrand comes from the Clouseau, you know, the original freestyle mogul champion, world champion, gold medalist. Um, 
and and so it's it's great for all levels but it's short and sweet if you see what i mean um and whilst that might be a fault i think it's actually quite nice because you it's quite interesting that there's all sorts of things and the nice thing is that all five mountains providing you go anti-clockwise on the map link so you never take your, you never take your skis off to to from one mountain to the other i was lucky enough to ski there last um last spring there wasn't quite the snow cover because last year was a particularly poor year in snow but the terrain is phenomenal and it would be great for anyone i don't know why that many brits don't go to it right it, strangely it has quite a few people british people who buy chalets a lot of them are used who came to our place and fell in love with it and bought second second homes but it, and they don't rent them out and and so there's very few chalets actually running in in terms of the old-fashioned ski station. so it's so it's largely a french secret and they like to keep it up so prior to this you were a successful businessman mm-hmm. well, I mean, that. <laughs> that's what you told me the other week <laughs> um, um and then you left to go and live the dream why did you do that because I hated the business I was in, you know, I was I, I was a quantity surveyor, which is about as boring a job as you can possibly get. Um, although, you know, we had our own company and we made things, and uh, and I got divorced and all sorts of things, and I met someone else, and I just wanted to do something else in my life. And I, my escape from working so hard was I didn't I went skiing, you know, Christmas, and I'd fallen in love with Lacluza and become at home there. And I ended up buying the chalet that I used to ski in. So you bought the chalet that you used to go on holiday to? Originally, I bought a, a, a chalet, a five, uh, eight-bedroom chalet in uh, Dimpart, and we ran that for a couple of years only before we moved to the bigger one and uh, took up the other opportunities that, that to do with management training and stuff. So you bought, um, I stayed at the chalet and it's, it's a stunning building and it's got character. I think it's really got droves. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like it's not, um, like anything I've ever stayed in. I've seen a lot of chalets through my work. So yeah, it's an, it's an incredible property. At the peak of the business, you were welcoming not only like huge corporate groups where you, you were you were welcoming global superstars. It was a, it sounded like it was the most fun enterprise possible. It, when we had to switch from the smaller chalet, it was clear that being adventurous and taking three 10-year-olds, we have triplet boys, out to the Alps and trying to run a business was never going to work in just three or four months of the season, despite our dreams, you know. I think most people who, who have the love of run, wanting to live in the Alps and run a ski chalet really only do it because it's their love, it's their passion. They don't do it to make loads of money. But you, of course, you have to be cost-effective in terms of enough income to feed three kids and, and a dog and all the sort of things that go with creating a life out there. Um, and at one point, you started hosting um, MTV, so obviously back in the nineties, and their crews who were covering ski and snowboard events, and you had big mega stars like um, James Taylor and um, Seal coming to stay. I was, your children went out skiing with Jane um, Sting, didn't they? My son snowboarded with him to show him around, and they played the tune, you know. And 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 my son's on the video for, or one of my sons on the video, for he was thirteen at the time, and he went with a friend. And when he got back, I said to him, "How was it?" He said, 
He said it was fine. He says, but he's boring. He doesn't do jumps. was <laughs> 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 brilliant. Anyway, so Seal settled in, and we had this lovely dog that we inherited, Dennis, when when we bought the chalet. And Seal just fell in love with the whole ambience of the place and didn't want to go back to Val Turin, you know, because he, he was sitting with a dog, happy as Larry, came with a friend. And uh, he said, can I stay a few few days? And I said, no, because <laughs> you full up and there's a load of clients coming. He said, well, can't you bring them up and say, he said, because it's my birthday on Tuesday and I'd like to stay till, till Wednesday. And, and uh, so I rang that, and of course I knew the people because we every every winter we had the same clients and these were kids with families and some of them were teenage girls and I said look can the girls all sleep in one bedroom till one Wednesday we'll stick an extra bed in because this guy wants to stay and 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 of course the guy said no no we booked it he said I said but it's Seal and he said what the singer and I said yeah he said that could be a laugh, couldn't it? <laughs> so we didn't tell the teenage girls that what was happening. Just said, "Oh, we were a bit overcrowded and put them in one room. They're a bit, they're a bit miffed off." Until we came down to supper, and Seal was sitting at the table, and these girls were just like, "I just loved it. It was brilliant." Ian, I bet that never happened to you when you were repping the Alps, did it? That uh, I've had to sort out the rooms at half term because of an overbooking, but not not because of Seal. <laughs> no. No. When I was in uh, Zermatt, I was uh, on my way to uh, check in on some some guests uh, uh, in one of our hotels just to check they're okay. And um, Jules Holland was playing the piano in the uh, in the bar there. Just uh, he was on holiday. Just thought he'd tinkle the ivories while he was around. So I have come across oh, them. I've seen I've seen Claire Bowling play pool in the Zart. <laughs> 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 no, that I, I don't know if I can top that at all. I don't think anyone can no. possibly do that. I know. I mean, Jerry's had Sting and James Taylor's Danny Charlie, but you can't be Claire Bolding playing pool in the zone. <laughs> right. Okay. Just, uh, did, uh, any Sting anecdotes? Did he did he request special time for meditation or tantric sex? Or yeah, he had his own yoga room. We we converted one of the rooms into his yoga room. Okay. He's uh, <laughs> he actually prefers cross country skiing. It's quite interesting. All, all, all his kids and uh, Trudy used to go alpine skiing, and he and we'd have to take him up to the to, to the to the slopes, whatever. He's he's he he's uh, he he likes his thinking time. Okay. But they came several years, and uh, we we became quite quite close and nice 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 family. Excellent. I, I really like the idea that uh, of celebrities who want to go to somewhere like La Clusa rather than wanting to be seen in Verbier or Zermatt or, 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 you know, whatever it might be. They left us to go on to Gistad to stay right. with the Sarchi. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> okay. so you're right. That, that kind of undermines my, uh, my idea of it. Yeah, but I think no, skiing, it, skiing is a good sport uh, for celebrities because it can be very hard, uh, very easy to disguise yourself. You know, you stick a helmet on, put, stick some goggles on and ski around the place and people who haven't got the foggiest uh, who you are. You know, you've got a, a, um, a bit of anonymity that you can you can just pick up straight away but i think that's that and the privacy of the chalet you know not being in a hotel and stuck in the room because of fear of fear of being recognized but i we used to uh, our chalet was slightly out of uh, the village square but we had this fleet of cars that would pick people up and we would meet 
meet all their clients uh, in the in the local bar next to the ski shop where we store they stored their skis. And I would sit with Sting and having a beer in the cafe with you know the locals. Most evenings we were we were there. Uh, he or he was there, and and rarely recognised. Okay, because I think a lot of time, you, you, if you were sitting there and you'd be looking and you think, that blow looks a bit like Sting, that's quite funny, isn't it? So if you make, look, he mm. looks a bit like Sting, but you'd never kind of it think is, that he would, that would be him. A couple of years later, I was down at Geneva Airport and uh, waiting for a different client and Sting came through with his entourage on his way to Montreux. And you know, you sort of look at someone and you think, well, you know, I better not, I better not, you know, I know him, but I'm not going to, but he recognized me <laughs> and he, he strode over to me and hugged me. <laughs> and I, I always told the story later that everybody was looking at us wondering who that guy was with Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much, Jerry, um, for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, some great stories maybe we'll get you back on the show hopefully um that is all we've got time for will thank you very much for joining us um we look forward to talking to you once you have been to some of the events and telling us what happened um ian you've got anything you'd like to add uh nothing other than uh, i have huge uh, uh, respect uh for the fact that um anyone's managed to bring up uh, triplet boys because i've got twins and that feels like hard work but three boys are the same age, <laughs> you know like celebrities have got to be a breeze compared with that take them to the french nl great advice there jerry thank you very much for listening if you are a new listener make sure you subscribe or um if you really like the podcast share it or leave us a review thank you very much catch you next time This podcast was produced by Jim Duncan and the music was by 3FX.